Hello, and welcome to Risk Chats with A Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we'll be speaking with Don Kettle. He's the author of a report entitled Managing Risk, Improving Results Lessons for Improving Government Management from GAO's High Risk List. So, we'll discuss what Don has found, his review of the GAO's high risk list over the years, and lessons learned that we can apply to our ERM programs. And of course, to help get off the high-risk list if you're on the high-risk list. So without further ado, here's Don. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy today to have with us Don Kettle. And we're going to discuss uh, some of the GAO high-risk list, uh, some of the aspects of the high-risk list and how they pertain to ERM. And so, Don, good morning. Uh, Please uh, introduce yourself. It's great to be with you. I'm Don Kettle, and I'm a professor of public affairs at the LBJ School at the University of Texas at Austin, and I'm really glad to be joining you today for this conversation. Thanks, Don. Well, let's start off a little bit. Just tell us about your background and you know your interest in, in ERM. I've been working on public management issues for a really long time and have been looking both in my research and in my teaching for ways of trying to get at the questions of what is it that really is going to make a difference in improving the outcomes for government programs. I've spent time doing research on everything from the Federal Reserve on the one side and federal budget policy to federalism and a lot of look in particular at just the human capital problems inside the federal government. So I've roamed around a large part of the terrain in public management. My real focus, though, has been trying to figure out what can you do to try to make government programs work. And so that's really what brought me to ERM and the broader problems of trying to figure out how a look at risk might be able to help us manage government better, more broadly, across the board. Right. And uh, so you also wrote a, you wrote a great paper. Uh, it's called Managing Risk, Improving Results, Lessons for Improving Government Management from GAO's High Risk List. And that's going to be our topic for today. And we're also going to add some links to our AFIRM website so you can take a read. There's some really great things in here, and um, we're going to go through that a little, little bit today. And, and right before we start that, I wanted to kind of also get your, your your feedback on, you know, why do you think ERM is really an important thing for the for the government today, and, you know, how do we keep it from becoming a margin, marginalized? And, and the, the last question is in some ways maybe the most important because I will tell you I've been in some conversations that have involved risk management, and uh, there was one session, in fact, that where I was involved, a big day-long session to try to help people talk about ways of trying to improve the performance of their agencies. And they invited the risk management people in. And uh, sometimes just physical space tells you a lot about the way that things happen. The risk management people were sitting in a corner, uh, clearly marginalized from the broader conversation, trying to find a way to get people to pay attention to it having a hard time, on the other hand, getting people in the agency to really be able to plug into what they were saying. And I was sitting there thinking, this is really a sign of the broader problems we have in trying to think about the way that risk management works in government and what the problems are. I think there are really two things that help to explain why it is we need to pay much more attention to this. The first is that the things that are risky that go bad turn out to be really, really expensive and really, really bad for citizens. If you look over, for example, GAO's high-risk list for the, for the present, we see everything from 
the census, one of those things that the Constitution absolutely requires the government do, and which is at risk of not being done well, to the problems of Medicare and Medicaid and defense procurement and a whole host of things. So there are things that are really important to the country, things that are important that in terms of if you don't do it well, that people are not being well served. And if you don't do it well, it turns out to be very expensive in terms of budgets. And so the things that are identified as high risk are, if you stop and think about it, really self-evidently important and things we need to focus much more attention on. But the other question is, and this is the second point that I really have thought about as a strong me to this, that the things that you need to do to manage the highest risks are things that in fact provide an insight to what you need to do more broadly to manage risk in general. And in fact, to manage agencies more successfully in general. Uh, the things that we have with, with risk are things that we have to try to solve, but nobody wants to have a program that's on this list the key to trying to keep yourself off the risk is the thing that you need to do to manage government more generally, more successfully, more productively across the board. So it provides an insight about how to try to improve federal government management in general. So think about risk in terms of, first, often very big, very important things that are very expensive and very bad if you don't get right. But figuring out how to get it right for those areas provide insights for making government work more broadly and more generally across the board. And in many ways, that, I think, is the most important lesson, because it does really provide these broader insights that are things that we can follow. Right, absolutely. Well, let's, so let's jump into the, to the risk list. Um, if maybe we could just start off in kind of the outline I'm thinking here is we'll start off with, you know, what is the risk list? Why did it originate? How has it kind of changed from, I think it was 1990 to, to today? Um, you know, what gets you on the list? How do you get off of the list? What are some of the root issues that you will see across multiple agencies and programs that are on the list. Um, but let's just start off with, you know, a little bit about the history of the risk list and how it's evolved. How about, can we start with that? Sure. Uh, once upon a time long ago, it was about 25 years ago, GAO started looking at the issues of, of risk in government. Risk management was something that GAO really focused on. And at about the same time, OMB began worrying about this as well. For both of them, the big challenge was that the things that go bad end up being very expensive. So from OMB's point of view, it's a matter of trying to think about its budget control. From GAO's point of view, it was part of the broader effort to try to think about how to improve government performance and government outcomes, not only from an accounting and accountability point of view, but from a performance point of view as well. So GAO put together its list. OMB had its own work on this. OMB's work over time has gradually faded away, but every two years GAO has been added and has sought to identify areas that are prone to risk. And by risk, what they mean are areas that are vulnerable to fraud or waste or abuse or mismanagement, or what they've talked about increasingly, areas most in need of transformation. That is the things that most need to be changed from top to bottom. And so they put together this list, and now with uh, 34, they've added a few new areas recently, including things like the census and the government's environmental liabilities, improving the management of federal programs that serve tribes, uh, federal security clearance process, which has been on and off a bit as time has gone by. But uh, these are areas that GAO has looked at, problems of fraud, waste, abuse, and mismanagement, which was the original piece, but 
areas that in particular most need a transformation. That's what it is that's really attracted most of GAO's attention. So they have this, this list. Uh, it's the subject of an annual, of a biannual report where every two years they come out with this. It's a subject of public, uh, public hearings on the Hill. It's a subject of a lot of discussion. And it is the kind of thing that uh, in most federal agencies, it is the kind of thing that most top-level administrators say, oh, please, whatever it is I can do, I want to stay off of this list. I will tell you, though, that there have been some times where I've talked with some managers who have said, you know, please put me on the list. Please make sure that I end up on the high-risk list because it provides a level of identification of problems and it's a little bit of a political juice from the outside, which allows them internally to try to get the extra resources that they need to try to attack the problems that they need uh, most, most to solve. And so there's this, oh, please, 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 please keep me off the list because I don't want to be embarrassed. But other people saying, no, it wouldn't be such a bad idea to put me on the list because that way I can get leverage to attack some of these issues. Right, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, you know, some ongoing effort every two years to try to get at the question of how to try to transform government agencies. Right. So, and I'd like to dive into some of the some of the findings that you you've seen over the years because I found it very interesting. You know, you have many primary root causes. You've already kind of touched on human capital as one of them, but there's there's several, and even this idea of root cause clusters, you know, was very interesting to me. So, you mind going a little bit into some of the root causes that have kind of major trends that you've seen in the lists? Sure, because one of the things, if you start looking at this, over over 25 years and over a whole host of problems, there is a sense that most often uh, each, each program somehow seems different, focuses on a different collection of problems. I mean, what is it that dealing with Indian tribes and the census could possibly have in common? It turns out if you read GAO's report carefully, and it's a it's a, it's a monster piece that most recently over 400 pages or so. But if you start looking carefully, what is it that GAO identifies as the problems? It turns out that there are a relatively small collection of issues that turn out to drive most of the problems. The most important thing most often has to do with the problem of trying to span boundaries across organizations. And if you stop to think about it, that's not surprising because more and more what government does, it does involving coordination with other agencies, coordination across levels of government, coordination across contractors, and in some cases even coordination across uh, uh, global boundaries, dealing with partners in other countries. So inability to span, span boundaries is the first thing, followed by the problem of developing good performance metrics, information technology systems. Sometimes Congress needs to act, so the lack of congressional action is another piece getting the skill sets right, that is lining up the human capital pieces to the issues that have to be solved, good financial management controls, problems in contract management, and then the problem of managing technological complexity. So it turns out that among all these agencies over all this time, there's a relatively small collection of things that tells you that if you do these things wrong, you're more likely to end up in trouble. If you get them right, then you're more likely to be able to not only get off the list, but also manage your programs better in the longer run. And one of the, one of the good pieces of news here is that people tend to look at the high-risk list as the Hotel California. You check in and you can never check out. <laughs> but the reality is that over the course of the 25 years, 23 areas have gotten off the list. And most recently,
recently, in fact, um, sharing and managing terrorism information to protect the homeland is an area that GAO had identified and which has come off the list. So success is possible if you focus on the key problems that are, in fact, root causes for these issues. Right. And, and just one little more piece on the root cause. Uh, could you explain what do you, what do you mean by a root cause cluster and what, what is that concept? Sure. And the, the thing is that there are, uh, there's this first relatively small collection of root causes. And secondly, if you start looking at these, there's some of these problems that tend to, to cluster together, that tend to be uh, problems that end up uh, many programs sharing. And so it tends to focus on problems of, of managing networks, of managing processes, and managing people. And if you, if you get those right in particular, in terms of a broad strategic management strategy for an agency, uh, these, these clusters allow you to identify what it is that you most need to focus on, not only to, to, to get off the list, to stay off the list, but to manage your operations more broadly to begin with. Right. And, you know, I think if any agency were to look at these uh, kind of root causes and the, the general root causes and, and dig into more specifics in your paper, I mean, they're going to recognize risks that are right there, their agency. I mean, IT systems, aging systems, uh, ca- human capital, folks retiring, uh, cybersecurity. I mean, it's it's all jumping out at you right there in this high-risk report. And that's the thing that I think is most interesting. It's a kind of diagnostic tool, not only for the the big and the nasty problems, but for the everyday issues that every manager has to try to work on. And if you think about this, the problem is uh, you've got so many things to have to try to do, so many big issues that all managers face, so many day-to-day firefighting problems that they have to solve. If you're really interested in trying to create a strategic management agenda for your agencies, what are the things that are most important? And it turns out that, and this is the piece of good news buried in all of the, the, oh, no, please don't have me on the high-risk list kind of issues. It's that there's a relatively small collection of things that managers will recognize, they can identify, and most importantly, they can solve. And so it's the, the use of risk as a diagnostic tool, and the use of the diagnostic tool to develop a management strategy that in many ways I think is the most interesting insight that comes out of this, this big, enormous wealth of of data that GAO has created over all these years. Right. Well, now let's delve into what I think everybody wants to know. You know, how do how, if you're on the high risk list, how do you get off of that list? And by analogy, how do you reduce the risks at your agency? And I think that's a great question. And it begins with the sense that it, it is possible to get off the list. And so there are, at this point, uh, programs that over the course of the last quarter century have managed actually to do it. So so there's hope. On the other hand, there's some issues that have stayed on the list for a long time, but the ones that are are just because, like defense contracting, that are just big and powerful and huge and are challenging, but where there's progress being made. And that's the other thing, too, that's important to note. It's just not only a matter of getting off the list, but GAO has started to identify progress that agencies have made. But suppose that you wanted to get off the list. Uh, what is it that you could most do? And it turns out that if you look at the agencies that have gotten off the list, the things that they've done most successfully first is to go after the legacy information systems that so often have plagued them, uh, getting information systems that actually work to help solve the problems that they've got. Next thing is financial management control. 
boundary management, better performance metrics, and then new generation information technology. So again, what's useful is that there's a relatively small collection of issues, a relatively small collection of solutions, and a relatively focused set of things that if done well, will get agencies off the list. And I think by extension, help keep them off the list as well. Focusing again in particular with information systems and financial management and human capital. In many ways, among all the things, if you get those right, then most of the rest of the things follow. Right, absolutely. And and I'm going to uh, read something from your report here uh, for the listener because I thought this was very uh, useful insight as well. Because so GAO has, you know, what what are they criteria? What are their criteria to say, you know, to say say that you should come off of the list? List, you know, what have you done? And you know that includes things like the, le- the commitment of your leadership, uh, you know, the capacity of your agency to solve these problems, actual action plans, you know, with progress and milestones. Um, monitoring your progress, making progress. So, I mean, that, those are the things I think GAO specifically wants to see for you to come off the list. And I think it's an analogy for what you need to do at your agency to attack these biggest risks. Exactly. And, and there is this, this focused effort. And a couple points come out of this. So the first is that uh, GAO is really not interested in a gotcha strategy. They're, they're, they don't want to go as their own effort to try to say, I've got you on this one, now we've got one more for the list. Their effort more broadly is to try to help government agencies learn. Uh, second thing is that increasingly they're interested in a strategy not only of helping agencies get off the list, but of helping agencies develop an ongoing strategy. So what they're increasingly looking for is, first, an agency that gets it. Uh, gee, you know, I've, I, I get it, we see that we've got some issues and there's challenges here. Second, that the agency identifies the, the core root causes of the problems that they face in particular. And the list that we've talked about suggests that it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a super difficult challenge to try to find them. Then the third is, well, I've got my root causes. What is my plan for solving them? And so GEO is then looking for an agency strategy for dealing with that. And then next GAO wants to try to see, do, do you have some metrics that will allow you to assess whether or not, in fact, you are making progress and how much progress that you're making? And for GAO in particular, they really see this not as a, okay, you're on the list, uh, we're going to come back and then audit you again. They, they really see this as an ongoing conversation, as a way to try to help GAO engage with the process of government transformation more broadly. And so this really is a broader management process which is, uh, I think, not the way that most people see it, but in fact, it is, from GAO's point of view and for the most successful agencies, a real strategy for agency transformation of taking problems and using that to try to drive the changes that agencies most need to make. So that, again, uh, starting with the, yikes, nobody wants to be on the list, to, ah, this is a strategy for helping us do better what we know we need most to be able to do. Right. So, you know, what is your advice then to a, a chief risk officer or, you know, enterprise risk management program um, in light of this? You know, what should their role be? Is it basically to, to understand, you know, these are the kinds of things it takes to, to reduce your risk, but also to see these as opportunities for transformation? Or what would you see as a CRO's role in the agency? And I think that's, that's such an interesting question because uh, it's one that pops up for a couple of areas within government. It pops up for risk management, 
shall do well. But the problem is that so often both risk management and human capital are set aside as kind of subsidiary operations or push off to the side. Here are things we got to do, got to check the box, now we're going to go back to our work. Instead of understanding that these are the ways in which the work itself has to be done. And so that the first piece, and this is the hardest thing of all given what I've just said, is that for a, a chief risk officer is getting involved and being seen as part of the senior management team of the agency. The agencies that have gotten themselves in the biggest trouble are ones that have not paid sufficient attention to risk and have not made the risk management a part of the overall strategy. So it's, it's hard for somebody who's already pushed off to the side in many cases to be sitting there waving their arms saying, oh, please, please, you got to pay attention. But it's part of the effort to say, look, the agency's accomplishment of its mission depends on managing its risk. And to manage its risk, risk management has to be part of the central leadership strategy for the agency itself, just as human capital must be. Then the next piece is trying to say, okay, what, what are the risks that we face? What can we understand that are the things we need to do? And if they're both are from GAO reports and then you're on the high risk list already, the GAO has already done a lot of that work for you. GAO has also done analyses and studies along the way to do that. There are external pieces. And of course, most people who work for agencies are never surprised by the identification of, of risk and issues by outside groups because going to work every day, they see that better than anybody else. So the next piece then is to understand what those areas of risk are. Then, and this is really the, the, the harder part, what are those areas of transformation? What are the root causes? What is it that if we fix the following two things, three things, five things, that are most likely to make the most transformative difference? And so that's in many ways the, the, the hardest part once it gets on the agenda of understanding what is it that has to be done to try to make those changes, and then developing the process for making sure that happens, which involves everything from top leadership support. That is, this is something we're going to do, something we're going to do well, something we're going to solve, and then trying to develop an ongoing strategy to incorporate the, incorporate this throughout the rest of the agency. So in, in many ways, it's a fairly simple process, but it requires the engagement not just of the, of the chief risk officers, but of those elsewhere in the agency whose job it is to try to make these transformations and to really see this, see risk, see risk management as a way that agencies manage their work more broadly. And that in many ways is the great opportunity here. Right. And speaking of strategies, I did also want to touch on, uh, you have some great ideas here, the f basically four uh, strategies uh, that uh, agencies can incorporate, you know, to, to kind of get off the list, but also, again, you know, to, to manage the, their risks for enterprise risk management initiatives. Uh, can you discuss those strategies? Sure, and I think that the, that the most important things that we have to do is uh, to, uh, to, as I said, more broadly, uh, and it's something that I've come to realize even more since writing the report, that uh, the the idea of, of getting top-level leadership engagement is something that's so incredibly important that uh, we, we tend not to pay nearly enough attention to the, the problem of making risk management integral to the rest of it. So I think that is something that is increasingly important, I think, on, on those things as well. Uh, there are uh, 
So that's that's the piece. But four strategies that I think make the most sense. The first is there has to be a plan of action that connects the people at the top with the frontline actions that are needed. Sometimes this requires legislative action, but there has to be a chain that connects the people at the top with the people on the front lines. This is important in part to ensure that people at the top are engaged and the people who are in the front lines see this is something that has to be done, but it's also something that helps the people who are in the front lines understand which are the strategic actions they need to take that are going to make the most difference. But there has to be this connection. The second is that there really needs to be uh, transparency and communication and communication with stakeholders in particular. Uh, that means in particular that, uh, that there needs to be a way to try to think about what are we trying to do here? What kind of outcomes do we want? How would we know when we get them? And how are we going to talk to the people who are involved? This is especially important because if you go back and look at what the root causes are of high-risk problems, it turns out that the difficulty spanning boundaries of really connecting people across boundaries within government agencies and across those agencies to other agencies and to other partners with other stakeholders is the most important root cause. And so if we're going to try to engage in transformation, the most important piece is to understand that it can't happen simply by people at the top making decisions and giving orders, since most of what it is that has to happen has to happen across boundaries. And therefore, it means enlisting people in the cause and they need to understand what is it they need to do and how it needs to happen. The third piece has to do with enhancing governance, and in some cases, new structures, new processes, new technologies, because again, looking back at the root causes, the problem of information technology systems and technological complexity, and in many cases also, financial management and personnel are absolutely essential. So this is a matter of trying to figure out uh, how do we how do we essentially tinker with the machine on the inside to make sure that the information technology, the information systems, the contracting, the procurement, the personnel, uh, financial management, that, that all of that works works well and works in sync with what we have come to understand are the things that we need to, to drive the changes. And those things turn out to be really important as well. And then the fourth is that sometimes it simply takes money. And it takes money to be able, for example, to, to buy new technology. It takes money to develop new information systems. It takes money to develop performance metrics. And money, as we've discovered through the course of the, the long and painful government shutdown, uh, money is a, is, is a big, big problem. It's something we fight about all the time. And it's hard to come by. But the easiest way to come by money, to agree to which it's easy at all, is to connect resources to broader strategic objectives. Instead of saying, I, I, just, I need more money, it's, I need more money to be able to make sure that we can get off the list, that we can avoid being on the list, that we can solve our basic mission-oriented kinds of problems. So there's four strategies, developing a plan of action, connecting the top folks with the frontline people, transparency and communication about performance and outcomes, the new structures and processes that are required, and the resources that are needed all backed by top-level leadership are those things that, turns out, are the keys to getting off the list, staying off the list, and driving management transformation more broadly through an agency. 
Right. And obviously it really needs to be a concerted effort. I mean, like you said, leadership has to be behind it. And it's not, you know, it's not just more money, but what's the plan with the money? You know, it's, it's, I mean, these things, these four things are very much, it feels like it has to be a cohesive plan and uh, it can't just be, uh, you know, we're going to throw money at the problem. Right, exactly. One of the things that is interesting at this point is that uh, GAO, this is one example, has been at this for a long time now, more than 25 years, a quarter of a century. They've had a quarter century of watching agencies respond and they pretty much know what's a serious effort to engage the effort to solve problems on the one hand and agencies that are just putting together a a quick report to try to get GAO off its back. And uh, GAO's pretty smart at being able to sniff those out as in fact anybody else would be as well. And so there's some important lessons here. It's it's a matter of of taking it seriously and and degree to which in fact risk management gets pushed off to a kind of subsidiary piece of a government's overall strategy, an agency's overall strategy, a manager's overall strategy, it quickly becomes pretty obvious. And it's obvious even before the lack of progress makes sure that an agency stays on the list because of a lack of adequate progress that's being made. Right. Well, I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, one of them, just kind of off the cuff, I was curious to hear your your, your thoughts. But you, you list a few um folks that have been on the list for basically 25 years, unfortunately, um, you know, the IRS, uh, Medicare. I mean, do you find that some of these issues are intractable? It's just nothing we can do? Or, you know, what can these folks do to get off this list at some point? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and that's one of the things that uh, is a point of, of, of some concern, some anxiety, some, some annoyance on the part of some of the agency managers. But more broadly, uh, there's there's a kind of understanding that GAO and the agency managers share. And that is, look, these are the, the some things, Medicare, Medicaid, defense contracting, the IRS. Uh, these, these are big and complicated systems. They're really hard. They are inherently risky. And if you ask yourself, is there anything that these programs can do to eliminate the risk? The answer may very well be, well, well no, because no matter what you do, the risk for not getting defense contracting right for managing the fast Medicare and Medicaid programs. And just to step back, Medicare, Medicaid, and related programs constitute 25% of the entire federal budget. And it's managed by just 5,000 government employees. And so that's a pretty risky problem just in itself. And there's nothing that's going to eliminate that risk. But on the other hand, if you can say, look, there are programs and areas that are the subject of risk, but there are areas within it that we can do better. There are things to do better that require, for example, new information processing systems, the use of smart technology and big data to try to get at waste, fraud, and abuse in Medicare programs. You find a way to do that. There are ongoing conversations with GAO about what they see and what you can do to make the changes. Uh, and inside some of these We've Been Here Forever programs, are in fact some very important strategic steps that have been made to try to make some progress. So it's sometimes that on the broader level, they seem like that the great story of the Hotel California where you check in and you can never check out. Some of these agencies may very well be there forever, but on the other hand, it doesn't mean that they're not making progress. It's a sign less that they're not making progress, but that these are areas that are inherently risky. But the more risky they are, 
the more important it is to understand what it is that you need to do to try to make the progress that we need to make. Right. And, and, you know, as we keep progressing here and as far as technology, I mean, there's artificial intelligence, there's continuous monitoring, big data solutions, you know, maybe there's things that can help you monitor this, this data, this massive amount of data much more quickly or anticipate issues and help reduce some of these risks. I mean, technology can help as well. Right, exactly. That's one of the things that's fascinating about Medicare. Uh, there was a time when the effort to try to root out fraud and Medicare involved bit by bit, almost transaction by transaction, trying to say, is somebody out there trying to develop the government for medical devices or for unnecessary procedures? And, and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services would try to go and find them. But that was, that was really hard. It sometimes turned out to be random. And it turned out to be a pretty expensive way of trying to maybe recover serious money, but still uh, with a limited staff resources, a hard way to be able to get at things. But then uh, CMS started saying, you know, what we can probably do is to go out there and see if there, from the vast amounts of data we have, are, are there patterns of transactions that so give off a certain set that says this isn't right? Can we use big data? to try to say, you know, there, there's a pattern of providers out here where their costs are significantly higher, where there seem to be people who are prescribing things that don't make sense. Are there things that, uh, whether it's opioid prescriptions or use of medical devices, where they're just out of sync with, every, with anybody else? And it turns out that a pretty small collection of people inside the government use big data in exactly that way and found $150 million worth of spending that in fact just was was wrongly spent and that they were able to find the people who were involved they convicted them they got the money back and you know, 150 million dollars is pretty serious cash and they found it through big data and right. so the, the real interesting piece in all the story is that there is progress to be made by using new technology still of course in the high risk list but it's a lot less risky if you use smarter technology to get at the problems so, Don, I just had one last question uh, to see if you don't mind giving us maybe just a couple anecdotes about where you might have seen some uh, interesting failures in risk management or even some wins. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. There, there are wins, and some of the wins have been really fascinating. I, I do think this case of the Medicare program using big data to get at patterns of spending that don't look and smell right and that have ended up helping the government recover hundreds of millions of dollars is a very good example. They're still in the high-risk list, probably always will be in the high-risk list, but recovering that much money through new technology reduces the government's risk in ways that are really important. On the other hand, uh, the VA continues to have serious, serious problems in trying to find ways of managing its operations. And this is something that has been a, a frustration, not only for top officials at the VA, but also for the GAO. And the problem at its core really is that the VA is so incredibly fragmented that it has not been able to develop a concerted strategy for not only dealing with the high-risk list, but also for dealing with this broader department-wide transformation. It still is having trouble with information technology. It still is having trouble with performance metrics. It still is having trouble with human capital. And so if you look at the, both the root causes and what it takes to get off the list, problems are continuing across that checklist that we talked about before, and the problems 
not only are in each of these things individually, but by the broader problem of the agency developing a, a transformation strategy that cuts across all of the agency stovepipes and that uh, is something that everybody understands that the top agency managers are supporting and driving. And so the, the real core problems in the VA in many ways are a reflection of the, the reverse of what it takes to be able to get off the list according to what some of this research shows. So it's, is it possible to do this, to solve this problem? Well, yeah, I think that, that it is. But on the other hand, uh, the VA's continuing struggles are a great case study, a great example of what it is that it really takes to be able to try to get at these problems, solve it, and what what happens if the roadmap that agencies that successfully have gotten off the list of demonstrated works are, are, are something that agency people don't follow. So the good news is that there is good news. There still are continuing issues and challenges, but on the other hand, there continues to be a relatively compact list of things that you can do that if you do it, with risk management right at the core of what it is that agencies use as their strategic efforts to try to transform their agencies, then it turns out that success is possible. Absolutely. Well, again, the, 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 the report you wrote was Managing Risk, Improving Results, Lessons for Improving Government Management from GAO's High Risk List. I think this is an excellent paper. Um, we're going to have a hyperlink on our, our website. And uh, Don, I really appreciate you walking us through it today and all your insights. Well, it's been great having a chance to talk with you, and it's fascinating as I got deeper into this to discover that, that risk management, which is the sort of thing that so often gets pushed off to the side, turns out when it's used properly to be so central to what it takes to transform an agency. And that is one of the, the, the truly great insights that I was able to, to find in doing the thing that I think has important implications for the way the government's managed more broadly. So it's been great having a chance to be able to talk to me about it today. Great. Well, thanks, Don. That's our show. Thanks for joining us. So we'll be posting the report we discussed today, Managing Risk Improving Results, on AFIRM's website right next to the podcast. So you can click through. And uh, this is really a great uh, a guide. I think it's a good um, something to have by your side as you're coming up with strategies to address enterprise risks. And of course, on our website, you can find other podcasts, and we have many coming up in 2019. Should be an exciting year. So until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Risk Chats with A Firm.